I told Kyle I'm a little nervous to go to see how mature I am. Maybe we all are, I'm not sure. Should be good. Um, let's continue to pray for those who are not here because of health issues. Christina Putz is in the hospital, and Helen has informed us this morning that she can now have visitors, so things will be changing for people in the hospital as well. On the back of our bulletin, we continue to have the rice drive. You can see some bags here at the front. There are various ways of giving to, um, to that cause, and we look forward to seeing how much we can donate for people that, that are in need. Tonight again at the Steinbach United Church, there is an outdoor candlelit vigil. That's been going on for several weeks on a Sunday night. The weather's gotten really nice. It's a small group that gathers, and we pray and walk, sometimes sing, for peace. Please stand and join us singing Let's Walk Together, number six in Voices Together. Together we seek the way of God. Today we accept God's invitation to the feast. Where there is water in the desert, and the light of the food we share. 
As we worship, we receive the abundant gifts of God. So let us praise God and sing with joy. Please stand again if you're able and turn to number 610 in our hymnal, Precious Lord, Take My Hand. on us, O God, for our thoughts are not your thoughts, and our ways are not your ways. As we walk with Christ on this Lenten journey, let us see your way more clearly and follow your way more faithfully. Please stand once more and sing with us the glory of these 40 days, number 305. Oh, 
Your ways, O God, are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We seek God's ways. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the flower, it will burst into bloom. In our world, in which we recognize darkness, we look to God's light. us from feeling we must earn your love to receive and give your grace to ourselves and others. Please stand and sing with us, fill us with your feast, number 309 in the hymnal. Darkness, you enter in still. 
the lost and the least. Find us in the wilderness, then fill us with your Chris, there we go. We're going to change gears a little bit. <laughs> uh, kids, come for a puppet show. Come on up for the puppet show, children. You know the drill. Friends, how are you all doing today? This warm weather is awesome, isn't it? And who knows, if it keeps up, that giant snow hill in the parking lot might be gone by June. Here's hoping. Let's call Finn out and see what he thinks about that giant snow hill. Ready? One, two, three, Finn the dragon! Hi, Finn! Oh, hi, Penny! Hi, kids! Good to see you all today! Hey, Finn! I saw you on that big snow hill the other day. What were you doing? Boy, what a morning. Well, the other day, me and my dad, we were playing on the snow hill. But then he stepped in a soft, mushy, melty part, and whoop, he was gone. He was so deep in that hill that I couldn't even see him. I was like, Daddy. And I was greeted by the sound of silence. Oh, oh, that's, that's terrible, Finn. What did you do? Well, I did what all of us do when we lose something in the snow. I went home to wait till it melts. You're, you're not worried about your dad? Nah, he's probably having a blast in that snow hill, hanging out with some lost mittens, a few stray hockey pucks, and maybe even a kid or two from Southwood School. I'll see him in a few weeks. He'll be all right. Hey, you losing your dad reminds me of the gospel lesson this morning. Really? Yeah. In our story today, Jesus had been arrested and taken away, and Peter was waiting for him, just like you are waiting for your dad. Yeah, that's a pretty good connection, Penny. Consider me impressed. Thanks. But then what happened to Jesus and Peter? Well, while Peter was waiting around, people kept asking Peter if he knew Jesus. And you know what Peter said? Did Peter say, sure, I know Jesus. We're besties. Nope. Hmm. Did Peter say, sure, I know Jesus. He said, follow me, and I left my fishing nets. Nope. Hmm. Did Peter say, sure, I know Jesus. We have sleepovers and watch Spider-Man cartoons together. Nope. Oh. No, they did not have TV back then. You're right, kids. But then what did Peter say? Peter said, I don't know Jesus. Wait, what? They were friends. They hung out together. Why would Peter say, I don't know Jesus? Well, maybe Peter was scared. Maybe Peter was confused. Maybe Peter just wanted to be left alone to sort out his feelings and think things through. Huh. And then what did Jesus do? Well, Jesus did what Jesus always does. He believed in Peter and trusted Peter and still considered him as his friend. Huh. Even if Peter didn't make the best decision? Yep. Just like how your dad will still love you, even though you left him in a snow pile. Huh. Right. Well, on that note, I guess I should go find a shovel to go get him. Good news, everybody. I was walking to the church, and I heard some yelling from the snow hill. So I took a shovel and started digging. And you'll never guess what I found. What did you find? Some lost mittens, a few stray hockey pucks, and a kid or two from Southwood School. That's it? Did you find anything else? Or maybe anybody else? Nope. 
<laughs> Just kidding, I found your dad too. He's waiting at home. He's warming up at home, to ready to give you a big hug. Aw, that's my dad. Super faithful, huggable, awesome dragon dad. Okay, kids, you can go back to your parents for now. Bye. Bye. Here, this portion of God's story is it's found in, the, in John's Gospel. So the band of soldiers, an officer, and the Judean attendants arrested Jesus and tied him up. They led him to Annas, the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had given advice to the Judean people, telling them that it might be best that one man die for the people. <laughs> Simon Peter and one of the other disciples followed Jesus. The other disciple was known by the high priest, and so entered into the courtyard together with Jesus, while Peter stayed by the gate. So the other disciple, whom was known by the high priest, went to the woman on the gate and said, asked whether Peter could come in. And so Peter came in as well. The woman on the gate asked Peter, you're not one of that man's disciples, are you? Peter said, no, no, I'm not. It was a cold night, and the attendants and the servants had built a coal fire and were standing around it and warming themselves, and Peter stood there too with them, warming himself. The high priest asked Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. I have spoken to the world quite openly, Jesus replied. All of my teaching has been done in the synagogues and in the temples where the Judeans all gather. I have kept nothing secret. Why are you asking me? There are those who listen to what I've said. Why don't you ask them? Don't you see? They're the ones who know what I have to say. When one of the attendants heard what Jesus had said, he turned and slapped him on the cheek. Is this how you address the high priest? He asked. If I have said something wrong, Jesus replied, then why don't you give evidence to show what I've said that was wrong? But if what I speak is true, why are you hitting me? So Anna sent him off, still tied up, to Caiaphas, the high priest. Simon Peter, meanwhile, was still at the fire warming himself. Are you not one of his disciples, they asked. Peter denied it. No, no, I am not. And then one of the high priest's servants, a, a relative of the one to whom the ear had been cut off by Peter, asked him, Did I not see you at the garden with him? Peter denied it again. Immediately, the rooster crowed.
So first of all, my apologies to all of you. Last Sunday, I got my Simons mixed up. There are just a lot of Simons in this world. There's Simon and Garfunkel, who made a cameo during the puppet show. There's Simon the Cat, is a funny comic. If you have a cat, you want to Google Simon the Cat. There's a really great teenager that I know named Simon Rempel. Good guy. Um, and there are apparently two disciples named Simon. I care about getting my facts correct and knowing my Bible at least a little bit. And so my apologies for getting those Simons mixed up. There's Simon Peter, whom we call Peter, and then there's Simon the Zealot, and they are two different dudes. And in my sermon last week and at youth the other day, I got them mixed up. I called Simon Peter a zealot when really Simon the Zealot was the zealot, not Simon Peter. But you'll see shortly how I made this honest mistake. So my apologies for getting something wrong. But let's start in the year 1000 BCE, a very exciting introduction. King David was king of Israel. You might know a little bit of the story. And then his son Solomon took over. And after that, yeesh, those kids could never quite figure it out. And the kingdom of Israel split into two. The northern half and the southern half. Stay with me here. The northern kingdom didn't last all that long as the Assyrian Empire came and obliterated them. And then the southern kingdom gave it a little bit of a better heave-ho. And a little bit later, the Babylonian Empire came and took them all back to Babylon as prisoners. That was at least until the Persian Empire came and destroyed the Babylonian Empire and let the Jews go home. And they went home and lived happily ever after. Well, that is until Alexander the Great and the Greek Empire came and said, nope, this is now ours, but not forever. Judas Maccabee was a Jewish revolutionary, and he led a rebellion against the Greeks. And for a few decades, the new little kingdom of Israel was born. That is, until the Roman Empire came and said, this land is now our land. Thank you very much. Do what we say or die. And that brings us to the time of Jesus. And not surprisingly, you had a group of Jewish freedom fighters called the Zealots, whose goal was to kick out the Romans so that they could rule their own state. And if they couldn't do that, well, they could at least make the Roman Empire's life as difficult as possible by killing as many Romans as possible, because the only good Roman was a dead Roman. And of course, the old saying here applies, one side's freedom fighter is another side's terrorist. We're going to come to Canada for a bit. Take a moment and think about how we would summarize Canada's last 500 years with empires. The French Empire came, the English Empire came, then the French and the English Empire fought here, just like they were fighting back over there. And then a whole bunch of immigrants from all around the world came and stayed, including my ancestors, and the local population probably did not benefit from that. And as Terry LeBlanc, a Mi'kmaq theologian, said to Mel one day, the story of colonization is different around the world. In some places, the colonizers went home. In other places, like here in Canada, the colonizers stayed. I'd invite you to take a moment and just sit with, compare, ponder the story of Israel and empires and Assyrians, Babylonians, Persians, Greeks, Jews, and zealots fighting for their independence and the story of Canada and empire and currently our lack of zealots. Take a moment and sit with the fact that we probably don't have a bunch of zealots running around trying to kill the colonizers. One of the disciples, Simon, was a zealot, but not Simon Peter, like I told you. And we're not told much about Simon the zealot, but we are told lots about Simon Peter. And I got those two mixed up for two reasons. Number one, Simon Peter is really passionate, sometimes over-the-top ridiculous at times. Grandiose statements of exaggeration and hyperbole. He's the one who, like, jumped out of the boat to walk on water with Jesus He's the one who, when Jesus predicted his own death and suffering, Peter's like, never! And Jesus is like, you're Satan, get behind me. (laughs) 
Peter's the one who, when Jesus tried washing his feet, Peter's like, no, you will not wash my feet. And then Jesus is like, yes, I will wash your feet. And Peter's like, fine, then don't just wash my feet, wash all of me. It's a little juvenile response there. And then when Jesus says to his disciples, the moment is coming where you're all going to ditch me. Peter's like, no! And Jesus is like, especially you, Peter. <laughs> and then Peter's like, no, I would die for you before denying you. And Jesus probably smirks and is like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> Peter was really passionate, like over the top ridiculous at times. And the second reason I got the Simons mixed up is because right before Jesus was arrested in today's scripture reading, Jesus and the disciples are in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Roman soldiers come to arrest Jesus, and Judas gives Jesus a kiss, and Peter's like, no, when he swings his sword and chops off a guy's ear. Nobody swings a sword aiming for an ear. So Peter was probably aiming for the head or the neck. <laughs> and that he had a sword and swung it, means he obviously was with okay with some degree of violence, similar to a zealot. Hence why I got them mixed up. We also heard the story of Peter denying Jesus three times. And the traditional way that, of viewing this text is that Peter was scared or embarrassed or he didn't want to be associated with Jesus. You know, he didn't want to get himself arrested like Jesus. And so thus... Thus, the same thing applies to us. If people ask us if we're Christian, or if they ask us if we go to church, or, they wonder, or we wonder, should we put a Jesus bumper sticker on our car? Or if we're at the coffee culture, are we brave enough to read our Bibles? I actually don't think that those are the only or most important ways that we can deny Jesus. I, I think that when we spend more money on lattes at coffee culture, reading our Bibles, than money spent to help address the humanitarian and refugee crisis around the world. I think that's a far worse way to deny Jesus than not simply reading our Bibles, but that's a different sermon. Jesus sends those kind of people to hell. Different sermon. It's Matthew 25, it's true. I, I think that this story is about Peter being confused about what's going on. And I think he's wondering about his own passion and enthusiasm and what just happened. And is this all misplaced? See, he was like all in for Jesus, right? Ready to fight and die for Jesus this very night. And I'm sure if he lived in Steinbach in 2022... He'd write the word Jesus on some cardboard and put it on his Honda Civic and enter it in the Pioneer Days Parade and hand out tracts. He'd be buying up neon signs to put along the highways and probably put some Bible verses on his Instagram page, the nice little flower or maybe a cup of coffee. He was like all in. But now, after Jesus got arrested, I think he's wondering if he knows what he's all in for. In the other stories, he re Peter refused to admit that Jesus was going to die. And I think part of the reason is because both Jesus and his disciples were Jewish, and they knew their own history of foreign empires invading. And dying is not winning. Dying is losing. And in last week's foot-washing text, I think he's wondering, for the love of Christ, whose feet might I have to wash? My enemies? And then when the moment came, when the big bad Romans showed up ready to arrest Jesus, he was ready to show his faithfulness and fight for truth and justice and stand up to bullies who hurt innocent people. He swings his sword and Jesus chastises him. He says, put your sword away. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. And then Jesus does it. He makes it even worse and heals the guy's ear. I think Peter, in our story today, is confused, wondering what he's missed. I think Peter thought that his allegiances were aligned, that the cause of his people and his religion and his state and his kingdom and his independence could be and were similar enough to that of Jesus' cause and understanding of religion and kingdom. But I think at this moment is finally dawning on Peter that they are not the same. 
that there is something fundamentally different about the kingdoms of this world. And, there's a candle there. <laughs> something different, something fundamentally different about the kingdoms of this world and the kingdom of God. And so when people are bugging him, hey, you're with Jesus, right? I think his denial could be his fear that he'll get arrested, but I also think his denial simply is him trying to buy time and distance. He's probably thinking, I don't even know who Jesus is anymore. I don't even know what I believe anymore. Remember, we have the benefit of four Gospels and being able to know how the story ends. Peter doesn't. He's learning in real time. I don't know who this Jesus is anymore. Do you know Jesus? I don't even know. What do I believe anymore? I think Peter is trying to figure out his allegiances and the implications of these allegiances and what to do when different allegiances seem to be competing for his limited time and energy and devotion. And so what allegiances compete for our time and energy? In which ways do we feel pulled? And what do we do when we feel pulled in opposite directions? I'll give you a few moments to ponder those questions. And you're thinking, oh, great, another guilt-inducing sermon. Thank you, Kyle. When's Mel preaching? Next week. You're good. I already feel guilty enough about shortchanging my family. Those kids need a lot of attention. Or my work. Or my friends. Or my faith. Or my CrossFit hours. Or my thousand hours outside challenge. And I haven't even started to worry about cutting the grass, Kyle. Grass cutting demands a lot of our allegiance, doesn't it? But wait, there is another story jammed in the middle of Peter denying Jesus. It's a story of Jesus being questioned by Annas, who was the former high priest appointed by the Romans. And because we know the story, we are let in, as Patrick said, we are let in that the religious leaders were really afraid of a Jewish rebellion that would declare Jesus to be king, and then the Romans would do the thing that has happened so many times in Israel's history, that the Israelites would be conquered and beat down by yet another empire. And so the religious leaders figured it was better for one man to die than many. And when pressed about his teachings, Jesus is pretty chill pretty nonchalant. I've said nothing in secret. Go ask those who heard me. They know what I said. Jesus says, go ask my disciples. That also means, go ask Peter. He knows what I said. We know that Jesus predicted Peter would deny him three times. We know that Peter cut off someone's ear and Jesus chastised him. And yet here we have Jesus faithfully standing by Peter, faithfully vouching for his character. We have Jesus faithfully believing in Peter. Peter knows what I said. Go ask him. As much as this story is about Peter denying Jesus and wondering where his own allegiances lie and what that means for his life, this is also a story about Jesus' allegiance to Peter about the belief that Jesus has in his disciples and ultimately the trust that Jesus has in them. And thus, it can also be a story about Jesus' allegiance to us and Jesus' allegiance and trust and belief in us. That as we feel pulled in so many directions, with so many good people and good places and good causes and not black and white, all gray, all wanting our time and money and efforts, all demanding our allegiances. May we today remember that in our moments of bravery and in our moments of fear, that Jesus trusts us. And in our moments of nailing it and in our moments of missing the mark, Jesus believes in us. And in our moments of clarity and in our moments of confusion, we have the story of Jesus who believes and trusts and has shows allegiance to us. Ask those who heard me. Surely they know.
what I said. Grace and peace. Please stand and join us singing Jesus Be the Center. Uh, It is in the hymnal, but we will be singing the verses and choruses as shown on the screen. bow with me as we pray. Thank you, generous God, for your immense love for each one of us, poured out and shown to us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Truly, we desire you to be our center. We acknowledge that you alone are our life giver, that the fullness of our lives is somehow mysteriously wrapped up in our relationship with you as our Lord. We acknowledge our belief in you, yet also ask that you help us with our unbelief. We ask that you breathe new life into our hearts through the work of your Holy Spirit. Help us to exhale hatred and inhale your love. Help us to exhale greed and inhale your generosity. Help us to exhale despair and inhale your hope. Breathe life and love into peacemakers in the conflicts that murmur and shout to us in, here in our own city and country. We take a moment to silently name them. Breathe life and love into peacemakers in Ukraine and Russia, 
We take a moment to silently intercede for the people of these countries. May leaders soon turn to nonviolent solutions to resolve the current escalation. We pray for those of our own families and our church family who are going through difficult transitions and challenges of health. Specifically, we pray for Christina Putz in the hospital, for Shirley Joy at Maplewood Manor, and for Raylynn Dick as she waits for a suitable kidney donor. Hear our prayers, Lord, for those dealing with ongoing medical concerns. We take a moment to intercede for those individuals that we know. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Generous God, as we give our offering this morning, we respond to your invitation to follow your way more faithfully. Guided by your spirit, confident in your voice showing us the way, we give our gifts joyfully. In the name of Jesus, amen. Of my Lord. 
this time and place into whatever awaits. May you follow God's way of receiving. May you let go of your feelings of unworthiness and accept God's abundant gifts. As you go, know that our God of the wilderness remains with you on the way. Amen.